Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica. We are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we talk about birth and nursing practice and labor and delivery, and in a broader sense, the whole world of nursing too. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a first-time pregnant parent, a parent to one or more babies, or a professional in the birth world, this podcast is for you. Join me and Liz and special guests as we share and learn from each other here on the Birth Nurses Podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Liz and Shana, and we are the Birth Nurses, back with another podcast. I'm really excited. Hey, Shana. Hey. How you doing? I'm really excited too. I think this is a hot topic and oh, yeah. we need to discuss it. Well, uh, this is a subject which is near and dear to my heart. It's sort of an advice for new nurses, nurses who are graduating from nursing school and nurses who are deciding to make a change from your home unit, which could be med surge, operating room, ortho, ICU, PCCU cardiac care to labor and delivery. And Mm -hmm. I guess, unfortunately, with nursing shortages and the exodus out of the bedside due to a myriad of reasons, there's vast differences in where nurses decide to spend a couple of decades. Less and less nurses, nurses are making their careers, you know, the longevity. There's a lot of moving around and there is a lot of opportunity in travel nursing So I find that a lot of the nurses that I work for, um, or with, I should say, um, have only one or two years of experience before they go out on the road and Mm. they go to different hospitals. And it's an interesting thing because I think those nurses have already decided labor and deliveries where they're going to be. So we're really going to talk about specifically nurses who are making the decision to come to labor and delivery. Well, my experience, I've only ever worked in labor and delivery, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to be speaking to that. Before I left my hospital position, I only ever saw myself as a bedside nurse. Mm -hmm. And then kind of circumstances just shifted with my family life that, um, I guess, encouraged me to pursue birth education and lactation Mm -hmm. consulting. Right. I very well may go back to the bedside. It's a really special place to be as a nurse and we need nurses at the bedside. Yes. Like, you know, management, education and um, administration. Those are, and research nurses. We need those nurses too. Um, But bedside. Yeah. That's a really special place to get to actually be with patients and, and help them through their, their time at the hospital. Absolutely. And it's not to say that it's not a noble cause to want to move up into management positions. Not my thing particularly. I like the bedside. I'm a worker bee. Will be till I die. (laughs) Um, However, one of the things that nurses should look for is transparency within Mm. the setting where you're going. To ask your human resources, the nurse manager, some very key essential questions so that you are fully informed and there's full transparency. So Shana and I are here to tell you that labor and delivery is not very much about 
being with babies. I'm putting quotes in the air. I hear a lot of people say that. I'd, I'd love to work with mothers and babies. And that's a little bit of a simplification of the job that we do. And I think that's one of the reasons, again, why why nurses uh, often are surprised and sometimes somewhat taken aback when they get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of what I've seen, too, is these nurses will come from other units and be really excited. And then they have a very short orientation or training period. Here we go. Yes. And then they're let loose on their own and they have their basic nursing skills. They can take care of a patient, but then there's a lot of extra things in labor and delivery as the specialty. We're looking at the, mother's vital signs, but also the baby's heart rate on the electronic fetal monitor. We're seeing the mom's contractions. We have two patients in one bed. We have two and, patients. Yeah. And so that automatically increases the acuity, right, for each nurse. And I think, well, let me just backtrack a little bit. Something I'm grateful for in my training as a new grad nurse, I, went, I did a residency program, is that we had this didactic training situation. So we had two days on the unit with a preceptor and we're following her. And then gradually we were getting, you know, getting more responsibility and autonomy with our patients. But then one day a week, we were in the classroom for eight hours learning about all these things that can happen to a pregnant woman gestational diabetes, pregnancy-induced hypertension, preeclampsia, and how to manage each of these symptoms. And what if you have an obese mother and all of these these things that can impact pregnancy Mm -hmm. and how to deal with them. I am grateful for that. I do wish it was longer, though. It was four months, um, but six months, man, that would have been even better to have that side-by-side training with a preceptor plus classroom work and and my little cohort of you know, there were four of us new grads and we had each other to study and to help each other out and I mean I cried every day mm-hmm. I cried every day at work and it was scary and then when I was let loose to be on my own I still had so many questions and that's going to be the case if you're going into a specialty, you're going to mm-hmm. have all those questions. But yeah, what I was seeing with some of the new nurses who had transferred to L&D is that um, they were just totally blindsided, had no clue that l- labor and delivery was going to be like that. And when the scary things happen, when the emergencies happen, they're really depending on on the other nurses on the unit. And hopefully the other nurses are experienced and skilled. But what if there's a staff full of new nurses? Well, we try really hard in labor and delivery to have an adequate skill mix. That means a mix of new nurses and nurses that are more experienced. I think that one of the most important things is expanding labor and delivery training to a minimum of six months. And that mm-hmm. is after your preceptorship, will you be paired with a nurse who's going to look after you for at least another three months? 
Um, I think that nurses are cut loose too soon, which then compounds the fear and anxiety, and then they leave. So to make an investment in a registered nurse and then have them leave within a year of their training says that we're not doing something right. We're not taking care Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. our new nurses or our transferring nurses and giving them the support they need to become successful in labor and delivery, especially given the increase in acuity and comorbidity in labor and delivery. I mean, again, we are 64th in developed nations in morbidity and mortality. That speaks volumes for where you're going. Um, And it's different than birthing centers and home birth. We're in an institutionalized birthing situation, which Shane and I are going to talk about in our next podcast. I think at the very least, there are questions to be asked. Is this job really about babies? Is this job, is this unit safe? Are you staffed to meet the needs of high-risk laboring patients? Is this unit staffed with a clinical nurse specialist or an educator involved in my training, one who's available and present on the unit? Will I have adequate didactic and hands-on training? And will I be able to extend my training if I feel I haven't reached competent competency? And those Mm -hmm. are just the basic things that you need to ask yourself, your managers and your uh, human resource departments to make sure that when you get there, you are taken care of and trained to the best possible ability. And I think that will help. Yeah. And and this applies to labor and delivery. I mean, we're labor and delivery nurses, so right. we're applying it to L and D. But it, it goes on to everywhere. Right. I think one of the great things that I have to say about working in labor and delivery is that we're always there. You're with a bunch of people all the time, and mm-hmm. even at this late time in my career, every now and again, I will grab another nurse and say. Uh, what do you think about this? Yeah. Mm, I have a funny looking patient or I just don't have a good feeling about this. That takes time. Mm. You always have to feel like you can go to the people on your unit and ask questions and be expected to be treated with dignity and respect and a pat on the back and to be able to say, I need help. I'm lost. I don't know what to do with this person she doesn't look good to me or I'm concerned and they're not hearing me and I need somebody to come help me be heard. And those are the things that you have to be able to do to be a successful new nurse. I think when I had my brand new nurse training, 85 at UCLA on a very uh, scary med surge floor, it was a nursing crisis. I had no business being there and I was surrounded by people who were invested in my success. And they could see how terrified I was. And my preceptor, I'll never forget her, I've talked about this before, another podcast said, I don't even want you to walk in the room unless I'm next to you for the next month. (laughs) I was was like, don't worry. (laughs) But those people taught me because they were invested in me being successful so that I could be an addition and not a burden to their unit. And they made it clear, you can come to me 
anything that you have to say, even if it's a concern about how this person is being taken care of, their orders, mm. you have a right to to come and talk to somebody about it. I had a great nurse manager who was very, very open to, I'm not feeling good about this. Help me figure out what to do yeah. about it. Yeah. And those are the kinds of things that all nursing units, of course, I'm talking about the ideal, you know, the ideal environment, but especially in labor and delivery, you need to find those people and ask for an advocate. Who's going to be my go-to person every mm -hmm. shift that's going to help me if I start to drown here. Right. Yeah. Something that, I mean, in the moment I hated it, but now I look back and I'm like, that was really good was we had regular check-ins like every 60 days or every mm -hmm. 90 days or something, we would have a check-in from our mm -hmm. supervisor and then it went down the chain of command and um, all the way to the person right above us. So our charge mm -hmm. nurse mm -hmm. And they would ask, you know, how are you doing? Do you have mm -hmm. any questions? What even the stupidest thing that you feel embarrassed to ask about that you mm -hmm. think you maybe should know, ask it because we want to answer that question and we don't want you to feel like you're supposed to know. And I remember I had been working at our hospital for over a year probably mm -hmm. and I didn't know where the blood bank was. Right. And I asked one of my coworkers, I'm like, can we just walk down there together? So I know where to go just in case I have to go get blood, but I didn't even know where it was. Right. And it, I felt embarrassed and she was like, Oh yeah, sure. Let's go. And we had, you know, a few minutes and I think we didn't have any patients at that time. So we had that little did time you, to you have to go down there many more times during your career. Right. Right. So, <laughs> Yeah. And, and she's like, yeah, you need to know where this is. I'm like, yeah, I know. Absolutely. But things like that, I'm just giving yourself a tour every, every couple months maybe. And, and kind of doing a scavenger hunt. I would do that sometimes. I would mm -hmm. on my break, or if I had a moment, I would just go into the storage room and just familiarize myself. Like, okay, that's where that is. That's where that is. Mm -hmm. Just in case a doctor is yeah. yelling out from a room, like, Hey, grab me the such and such. I'd be able to go and know exactly where it was. So, and remember a labor, labor and delivery is not just labor and delivery. I am an operating right. room circulating nurse. Yeah. I am often called upon to deliver a baby. Mm -hmm. in, in all kinds of places like bathrooms and beds and floors and hallways <laughs> and elevators and a car once oh, <laughs> in the parking lot gosh. in front of the hospital. Um, that's going to come with time. The expectation yeah. is right now for me is that you feel empowered as a new nurse to find those people and mm -hmm. to let the upper management in your unit know that you need more help, more support, more understanding, more education. And if you don't feel yeah. like you're getting it, where your resources are to try to find that. I think that's one of the things that can help nurses stay and not leave. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. To feel that safety mm -hmm. with your coworkers, that no one's going to judge you. No one's going to laugh at you if you have to, if you need more training, if we want you to be a safe 
nurse Mm -hmm. and keep our patients safe, your patients safe. So yeah, if that means more time, that's fine. But you have to speak up, say something. In a perfect world. So remember, ask questions about staffing, about clinical nurse specialists, about your educator, what's expected of me and in how long. Will I have a buddy system afterwards? Will I have an advocate? Is there going to be somebody to help me along when I'm finished with my training? And my objective. And ask for, uh, yeah. And ask for a day to just observe in labor and delivery before even making the decision to switch. You know, I've talked a lot about that. Haven't Shana and I've talked a lot about that, that in my perfect world, I think, you know, I often say that, but obviously I don't mean in a perfect world. What I mean is, especially nurses that come from other units who are already nurses because labor and delivery is sort of like another planet. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's not like any other place in the hospital. And it's often uh, just recently heard a nurse say, I didn't know that this was an OB emergency room said, yeah, I'm sorry that you didn't know that. And it's to no fault, but ours and hospitals that fail to give full transparency and new nurses an opportunity to observe for several shifts before they decide if this is their thing. Yeah. So we need to push for that. And I'm going to start working hard in my last three or four years before retirement in trying to shift, you know, the paradigm of teaching new nurses. Yeah. I love that about you, Liz. (laughs) Just go for it. Go for it. That was fun. We hope this episode was helpful and stay tuned because our next episode is going to go a little bit deeper into all of this. Oh yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz, and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.